listening. Not killing is beating too. It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the Orange doing again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. All right, a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio. 97.7, 100.1. Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. Stephen Fonte on his way out to Omaha. I, I hear his travel plans have been uh, messed with due to the nor'easter and, and due to some of this weather that is uh, kind of hitting everywhere but here, which is nice for a change. Uh, so I don't think we'll catch up with him today, but we'll catch up with him from Omaha tomorrow as he heads out to cover the Orange in their Sweet 16 matchup on Friday night. We will have Danny Shays at 12.30 to break down the Orange and to dive into SU basketball. Of course, your calls, as always, at 315-437-7644. You're listening on the app. You're listening on ESPNSyracuse.com. And, of course, you can watch, as always, on our Facebook live stream at ESPN Syracuse. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot of SU basketball today. It's the NCAA tournament. The Orange is is still alive. The Orange is still dancing. Uh, I did want to start off with one very quick point, and I didn't really have to do much on this year, but, uh, you know, Stephen North Syracuse, I know, has called in a couple of times and asked the question um, and has asked, uh, would you rather have the, the Syracuse season or the Virginia season? Uh, and I think that it's been kind of consensus uh, on air, at least myself, Steve, I know Brent has said, and I think we kind of all agree with you would rather have Syracuse this season, right? And go to the Sweet 16 and keep this run alive. And it made me think of a similar question that had been asked prior to the NCAA tournament a lot on these airwaves. And that is, would you rather go to the NCAA tournament and bow out early or uh, you know, be one of those last teams in, or would you rather go to the NIT and win the whole thing? And my answer and Steve's answer, and I know Brent's answer, was you want to go to the big dance. And I think this run really shows why, right? Because Syracuse was that last team in. Syracuse was the very last at-large team to get a bid. Yet here we are heading into the Sweet 16 with this team still alive. So I think that this run really kind of explains that, right? And really kind of goes to show, like, yeah, you want to be in the big dance because any any chance you have is a chance, right? It's an opportunity to make that next jump, to to win that game and to move on. Uh, so I think that this run, and I think the run a couple of years ago, really, should put that question to rest. Yes, you'd rather be the last team in the NCAAs than win the NIT. And I, I think that almost anybody would agree with you. More exposure. There's always that opportunity that you'll go get a win. And it means that you had a successful season by getting to the NCAA tournament. So with that being said, I wanted to move on. But I wanted to hit on that at the top of the show. To what I think is kind of my main overarching question for today, for this first hour at least. And basically it's it's this simple question of can Syracuse really keep up this defensive intensity? Can this Syracuse team manage to play defense at the level that they have these past few games? Because we know that the defense this year has been Syracuse's calling card, right? And we we know that this year 
The defense has been the strong part of this team. But can they really keep it going to the level that it's been at these past two games? These past three games, I should say. Because those have been otherworldly performances out of this defense. Lowest point total of the year for Arizona State. Lowest point total of the year for uh, TCU. Lowest point total of the year for Michigan State. Syracuse has allowed 56 points or fewer in all three of these games. They'd only done that five times over the course of the year, and two of those were against Cornell and, and Oakland. So it's not like this was a regular occurrence throughout the course of the year where Syracuse was keeping teams under 56 points. And when it happened, you looked at Syracuse and you said, wow, they have a great chance of winning. And they won all the games, right? They won the games where they allowed 56 or fewer points. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Col- They beat Cornell. They beat Oakland. They beat Clemson at the end of the year. They won the games where they allowed 55, 56, or fewer points. And then, of course, they've won these three. But the question is, can they really keep it up? Because... I'm not so sure. And when I look at this Syracuse team, and it's not saying they aren't playing great defense, but Michigan State had a couple of good looks that just didn't go. Arizona State had a couple of good looks that just didn't go. TCU had a couple of good looks that just didn't go. And look, that may be the effect of what Syracuse did to them early on. Right? That may be the effects of... The early pieces of the zone. And hey, we got you out of a rhythm early. And so late when when you get a good look, you're not going to hit it. And I think that played in on Sunday for sure. But I don't know that you can count on that moving forward. Can you count on that against this Duke team that has seen your zone, runs your zone, is supremely talented? I think as good as Michigan State was this year. And as talented as Michigan State was, I think Duke is more talented than that team. I think Duke is maybe better equipped to go up against the zone than that Michigan State team. They've got a guy in Wendell Carter who will hang out at the free throw line in the high post, make some passes to Marvin Bagley, put up a free throw line jumper, dribble drive to the basket. And nothing against Tom Izzo, but Duke's got a better coach. Duke's going to put their best five on the floor for the entire 40 minutes. They're not going to play rotations. So I'm really curious to see if Syracuse can manage to keep up this level of defensive intensity. Can Syracuse manage to play this well in another game, in another two games? In games here against teams that have all seen your 2-3 zone up close and personal. Because that's where you're at right now. Duke, Clemson, Kansas. You've played them all this year. They're all in your regional. You would have to go through them this weekend. And can you play good enough defense to get past them once again? You've only won one of those three games this year. The only one you won was Clemson. So have you adjusted enough, and is your defense better enough to the point where you can beat Duke this time? Where you can beat Kansas this time? 
Now, defense wasn't the problem down at Cameron Indoor. Defense was not the issue at all. You held Duke to 60 points. It was their lowest point output this season. The problem for Syracuse in that game was that even though Duke had their worst offensive game of the year, had their lowest offensive efficiency rating of the year in that game, Syracuse did too. Syracuse played their worst offensive game of the year at Cameron Indoor Stadium this year. Scoring 44 points, looking bad, and just flat out not being able to score the ball. So here's the math equation, right? Here's the math equation. How much better is the Syracuse offense right now than it was a month ago when you went down to Cameron Indoor? And I think that it's a little bit better. I think Marek Dolajai is is a lot more confident right now. I think O'Shea Brissett played probably his worst game of the year down at Cameron. Pascal Chukwu fouled out, and that certain, certainly didn't help you going up against those two ginormous people in the middle of, of Duke's team. Three, when you count Javin Delorier. So how much has the offense improved? And how does that even out with how many, how many adjustments and how much Duke is going to adjust on their end to your defense? Because we can sit here and say, oh, Syracuse did that already. They held them to 60 points once this year. They played great defense. And you're right, they did. They played great defense in that game against Duke. But it came with one of the worst three-point shooting performances I've seen this side of Michigan State-Syracuse on Sunday. And it was also Duke's worst offensive efficiency of the season. So you have to assume that Duke will play a little bit better. You have to assume that Duke won't be that bad again offensively. So the math equation here and the way to figure this out is, is Syracuse's offense good enough now to make up the 16-point difference plus whatever else Duke is going to do? Or is this defense really that much better than it was? Have they really flipped a switch? And are they going to hold Duke to 55, 60 points again and have them again play their worst offensive game of the year? Now, there are reasons why Arizona State and TCU and Michigan State all struggled against the 2-3 zone. Right? There are strategic reasons. There are we-never-saw-this-before type reasons. And I think that a big reason in this, and a big reason why the zone is so effective in the NCAA tournament, is because of the turnaround. Because not even, well, because a little bit more than 48 hours after you found out where you were playing, On Sunday night, you had to play right in the first four, Syracuse and Arizona State. 72 hours, I guess I should say, after you found out. That's a pretty quick turnaround, especially consider travel. You're not going to practice on Sunday night and how that whole schedule is formed. That's a quick turnaround 
to adjust the game plan, to come up with something in order to beat this defense. Okay, you're TCU. You get the same thing. 48 hours after you find out who you're playing, you have to play them. And I talked about it, and we talked about it a lot, and I was worried about Jamie Dixon being on that sideline. And I think the thing that I underestimated there is, while Jamie Dixon has faced that zone, and while Jamie Dixon knows the best way to beat it, the players haven't faced that zone. The players haven't seen that zone and don't know the way to beat it. And then much the same, not even 48 hours later, really like 36 hours later, you're playing Michigan State, and you have one day to devise a plan to come up with how to beat the zone. Well, now Duke not only has six days, they have years to go back on. And again, maybe not the players. The players don't necessarily have all this time. I mean, Grayson Allen does. Marquise Bolden does. But Coach K has years to go back on. Literally, like six years, ten years to go back on, knowing this zone intimately. They can go back a month and said, hey, look at what was successful. Watch our tape against them. Watch Wendell Carter throwing a high-low pass to Marvin Bagley. Watch how we were successful. And so I do think the combination of the week in between and playing a team that is so intimately familiar with what you do could hurt the Orange. This is not just playing a conference foe in this round. This is playing a conference foe that this year does exactly what you do. This year, they run that same zone. Or they try to. And I think that that could really hurt the Orange. We saw it did when they were down in Cameron. And I always find it interesting, and I find it interesting given this team, and given that they play the zone, why they struggle so much against their zone defense. You would think they would know the weaknesses. You would, would know the spots to fill. You would think they would know the best ways of beating the zone. Yet, we see them play Duke, and they're a little flustered by it. And I do think that some of that had to do with the atmosphere. I really do. I think that they were a little overwhelmed by going into Cameron. It was the first, and I think up until Sunday, it was really the only hostile environment they played in this season. So maybe they've got those those jitters out of them. Maybe they're feeling a little bit better about themselves having to not go to Cameron. And the fact that they're not going to play Kansas in Omaha should lead to a relatively safe and mundane environment for them. So can Syracuse do enough offensively to make up for the gap for what you would expect Duke to do against your defense. And can the defense do enough, or can the defense do enough, that you're holding Duke again to one of their worst offensive performances of the year? That's what it comes down to. 
something's got to give here. Because what we've seen over these three games, I don't think will be enough to go on and and beat Duke on Friday. Don't get me wrong. The defense has been great. The defense has been awesome for this Syracuse team. It's really been incredible to watch how they have played defensively. But at the same time, if you play that game, I don't know that you're beating Duke. I don't know that you're beating Duke playing the game you played Sunday. They seem more talented. They've seen your defense before. And at some point, something's got to give. You can't just play incredible defense. I don't think. And realistically, how much better can this defense be? You've held three teams that were all in the top 20 of offense or scoring this year. You've held them all to their worst offensive output of the season. It doesn't get much better than that. And I'm not sure how long it can continue. Look, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see this team come out and just shut down Duke again. Bottle up Bagley. Keep Wendell Carter at bay. Watch three-pointers clank off the rim left and right like they were at Cameron. And it might be a recipe for a win. We'll get to the offense later in the show. But that might be enough. That might be a recipe for a win. Because Merrick Dolzhai is more confident. I don't think O'Shea Brissett will follow up his worst game against uh, of the year at Duke with another poor performance. The way he's been playing, he seems to have turned a corner and really turned it on since that Duke game. But what does it come down to? I mean, what is the breaking point for this team? They're playing at their pace, they're doing what they want, and they're still squeaking by. Why don't we take a timeout? 315-437-7644, the number to call, and uh, and get your call your your thoughts in. We'll have Danny Shays coming up in about 15 minutes. We roll until two on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Let's get it rolling with our number two here on Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. On ESPN Radio 977 100.1, ESPNSyracuse.com, the ESPN app, and, and now on Facebook Live. Go check it out. If you ever want, you know, we, we podcast the show, we put up interviews, if you ever want to take two hours and watch the whole show back, Facebook archives them. So if you've been asking for that, go check it out there. You can get the whole two-hour show archived after the fact and uh, see everything that Steve and I say and, and even what we do during commercials. You can't hear us, but you can watch us talk to each other or something during commercials. I wanted to start off this hour with a very simple question. And it's been one that has been batted around, and I think you've seen a lot of articles around it. You've seen a lot of maybe hot takey kind of stuff surrounding this question. And so I figured I'll ask it, and I'll 
Try and get input from you guys on Twitter at Seth Goldberg17, on our Facebook Live in the comments, and on the phones at 315-437-7644. And it's this idea that Syracuse plays terrible basketball and is still in the Final Four, and is in the Sweet 16, I should say, and is making everybody mad, right? This idea that Syracuse basketball is really bothering people by the way they play. And a lot of people attribute this to the zone. A lot of people come out and say, hey, that 2-3 zone, it mucks up the game. It's an awful style of play. We should outlaw the zone defense. We shouldn't allow them to do this. Zone is for cowards. Rabble, rabble, rah, rah, right? I don't think that's the actual reason, though. And I know there are plenty of people out there who would who would disagree with me, who say, no, the zone is a terrible thing for college basketball. I would argue that when they look at this SU team, they're really annoyed that they stink on offense. They're really annoyed that they're 315th in the country in scoring. 321st in the nation in three-point shooting out of 351 schools. I would argue that is the problem. That is the issue that everybody has with Syracuse basketball. Not the zone, but the terrible offense that Syracuse plays on the other side of the court. The offense that, although you've kept teams in the mid to low 50s the last three games, you've only won by two or three points in each of them. They've been one-possession games because your offense has not been able to pull away. The offense that allowed you to lose six times while while allowing 60 or fewer points this year. Think about that for a second. Think about how many games Syracuse lost when allowing 60 or fewer points. Duke. For uh, Georgia Tech. Notre Dame. St. Bonaventure. The list goes on. That is far from a complete list, but that's four. That's why people hate the zone. The Virginia game, the second one up in the dome. That's why people hate the zone. That's why people hate, I should say, Syracuse basketball. Not because of the zone. It's because of the slow plotting pace that Syracuse plays out at the other end of the floor that does not end with ball going through the basket. Look, if Syracuse were a decent offensive team, If Syracuse had the offense they had two years ago, I don't think there would be as much belly aching as there is now. That team with Malachi Richardson and Tyler Lydon to go along with seniors Trevor Cooney and and Mike Benajay, that offense was good enough. Right? Where the only complaints you really heard on that Final Four run were that they didn't belong. Right? Ah... That Syracuse had a bad season. They lost games to bad teams. They shouldn't have made it 
to the NCAA tournament, right? That Those were the complaints you heard two years ago. This year, it's like a referendum on their style. Oh, man, this zone, it's brutal to watch. How terrible is it to watch this team? I want to gouge my eyes out watching Syracuse basketball. And while I don't necessarily disagree with you that they're painful to watch and they are hard to watch at times, it's not because of the zone. It's because they don't score. It's because they don't push the pace. Because they don't make highlight plays. That's why you hate watching this team. I said this on Sunday, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but a tagline for the season is that they're really easy to root for and really hard to watch. And I don't think you can disagree with that. You can be the die-hardest of die-hard Syracuse fans. And I don't think you can necessarily disagree with the fact that at times this year, it's been tough to watch this team. But it hasn't been because of the zone. It hasn't been because they're forcing shot clock violations. It hasn't been because they're keeping teams under 60 points. It's because they can't score 60 points. It's because they can't win games when they keep teams under 60 points. That's why they're hard to watch. That's why people don't like watching Syracuse. But you know what the easier target is? It's that 2-3 zone that nobody runs. It's that head coach standing on the sidelines who's been here for 40 years and is a Hall of Famer but has gotten caught recently in NCAA violations who had to be suspended for nine games who runs this zone defense exclusively does things differently. That's why people don't like watching Syracuse. The offense, and quite frankly, people don't like Jim Bayon. They think he got away with something. They think he got away with cheating. They don't like him looking grumpy. Stupid reasons. They like to laugh when he picks his nose on DV. Whatever it might be. People don't like this team. They don't like this coach. Outside of Syracuse, of course. But it's funny to watch, and it's funny to read, and it's funny to look at things online. Like Bomani Jones saying zone is for coward. And that's cool. Like, you might hate running 2-3 zones. But when you have an article on USA Today saying the 2-3 zone is why Syracuse is terrible to watch, I couldn't disagree more. Because how often when you're in the carrier dome do you sit back and you stand up and you start cheering when the shot clock gets down to five and cheer for shot clock violations? How much do we appreciate in the Dome when this team makes defensive stops, steals, blocks, turnovers? The problem with this team is that they don't convert that often enough 
to points on the other end. And I think the perfect example in this is Virginia. Virginia does the same thing. Virginia plays this weird defense that not a lot of people run, but nobody blames their defense for being tough to watch. Nobody blames their defense and says, hey, I can't stand Virginia basketball. Some people might, but most people look at it and say, wow, that defense is phenomenal. That defense is great. But you know what they don't have? They don't have shot makers. They don't put the ball in the bucket enough. They're a boring offensive team. They're a bad offensive team. So why does Virginia get that benefit of the doubt and not Syracuse? Because they're very similar situations. They're very similar situations. Both teams play great defense. Neither team has a lights-out offense. They've got one or two guys who can both make some plays offensively, but outside of that, they're limited. So why is nobody complaining about the pack line defense making basketball unwatchable? Why is it only the 2-3 zone that makes basketball unwatchable and undoable and irrational? Why is it this team that brings out the craziest in people? What is it about Syracuse basketball that brings out the crazy in people? And the only thing I keep circling back to is they think around the country, people think that Syracuse got away with something. Right? I I mean, that's the only thing I can come back to. Oh, they got a slap on the wrist for cheating on papers and paying kids at the at the you know for jobs. I'm guessing that's the thought around the country. I'm guessing that's why people don't like this program. Why people want to see Syracuse lose. Why people are livid when Syracuse makes the NCAA tournament. Just my guess. Fair or not, that criticism is there from all over the country. I watch this SU basketball team, and I say, they are phenomenal defensively. They are a joy to watch on the defensive end. Now, I wish they would score more points. I wish they would be more fun and get out and transition and run some more. I wish they wouldn't have the 315th worst scoring option, best scoring offense, I should say, in the country. I wish they weren't 318th in field goal percentage in the country out of 351. But when you get down to the root of things, those numbers are why people hate watching this team. Those people are why, those numbers are why this team is difficult to watch and plays this slow plotting kind of pace. Because they just can't score well enough. Right? Their offense just isn't there. But no, we're going to kick back, we're going to put our feet up, and we're going to attack the 2-3 zone. 
because it's easier. It's easier to attack the zone than it is to attack the terrible offense. It's easier to do that than to point out that Syracuse is a bottom 50 team offensively, bottom 30 team really, offensively in field goal percentage scoring and three-point field goal percentage. But it's easier to point out the 2-3 zone because you could see that on the court every single play. Because it is used against Syracuse when it comes time to the NBA draft. Oh, we don't know if if Carmelo Anthony is going to be good enough defensively. We don't know if Michael Carter-Williams is going to be good enough defensively. We don't know if Tyler Lydon is good enough defensively. We haven't seen him play man-to-man yet. You know, we just don't know. It's not like they played man-to-man their entire life or anything. But, hey, they played that one year at Syracuse. And we, we just don't know if they if they know how to play man-to-man. It's easier to attack that zone. That's why people go to it. Let's head to the phones. 315-437-7644. Be next on the line. But first up, Wayne in the truck on line one. Wayne, good to hear from you. What do you have? Hey, it's an easy, simple answer. And it's because we're still playing. And they're not. And and if you want to go a little bit deeper, it's because our coaches figured it out that the tournament's what matters. And this is the defense that all these other coaches can't figure out because they don't play it all the time. And when you've got supposedly the greatest coach in the history of the NCA switching to the zone defense midway through the season, that suggests that our coach has figured it out a long time ago and that he's right, lo and behold. And and that's what it is. Nobody likes our coach, and we're still playing. Yeah, I'm with you, Wayne. There's a lot of jealousy. I, I really I think there is. I think that people are annoyed that Syracuse now as a 10 seed twice in the – or as a double seed now twice in the last three years has reached the second weekend of the tournament and further in the case of two years ago. I think that people are bothered by that. I think that really rubs people the wrong way. That two years ago, when they thought that, when a lot of people thought Syracuse shouldn't necessarily make it, they did. This year, people didn't think Syracuse should make it, they did. And now they've not only won, uh, not only have they made it, but they've thrived and they su- succeeded and gotten to the second weekend. I think that bothers people. I think that people flat out don't like Jim Beheim for his demeanor on the sidelines, whatever it may be, right? Whatever the reason may be. Jealous of the success, jealous of the longevity, whatever the reason is. Jealous, as Wayne pointed out, that he figured something out that works better than the status quo. And I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. The zone defense isn't the status quo, right? The zone defense is not what everybody's doing. And Jim Beheim has pointed this out, and I know I need to get to a break. But Jim Beheim has pointed out, They don't ask man-to-man coaches when their defense stinks, hey, why don't you go to zone? So why ask him when the zone stinks, hey, why don't you go to -to man-to-man? The only reason is because it's not quote-unquote normal. It's not the status quo. It's not what we're used to seeing or what we think we're going to see in basketball collegiately, professionally, and high school. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And look, If you want to make the argument that Syracuse is hard to watch, if you're a national media person, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. But don't say it's because of the zone. 
Don't say it's because of the defense they're playing. Tell me it's because they can't shoot a three-pointer. Because they play three-on-five offensively. That's why they are hard to watch. That's the part that bugs me. That's the part that eats at me. Just get it right. Take a break. We're back after this. 315-437-7644. The number to call. 